Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, AKA Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Today we have Edward Weens. Ed has a background in nonprofit organizations. He has been an associate pastor. He has been an administrator with social service organizations. He has worked as a development officer at a private school. He's an entrepreneur, a business leader, and a trainer of trainers. Ed, welcome to the show today. Oh, thank you, Stephen. It almost makes me sound like I couldn't keep a job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's it's wonderful to talk to you. I know something about what you do in the world today. But I'm curious, what, you know, looking back, I know you grew up in, is it Washington State? Well, I was part of it. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, I... Pre- previous to that, I, uh, I was born in Alaska. Uh-huh. Uh, all my teenage years were in South America. Wow. So I was just um, kind of a child of the world, I guess. I got you. So growing up, Ed, let's say before your senior year in high school, how what shaped you? I mean, what shaped Ed Wings? Well, my, my, my parents were, were both ordained ministers, uh, missionaries, and my mom, even before she met my dad. Uh, went to Alaska in the 1940s, which was kind of foreign, I guess, back then. And uh, so, I my earliest my earliest memories are in a fishing village uh, in southeast Alaska, uh, and then um, lived for a while in the Pacific Northwest before going to South America to you know, so just where we lived. So I was shaped just by a family culture of of ministry and service to people. Um, home was always open. All the time, my parents were, were givers from their heart. They were servants of people. And uh, that's the model I had uh, growing up. And 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 that was kind of part of you and my extended family. Sort of a lot of folks were in that same that same vein. So I, I resisted that uh, for a period of years. And I finally I finally kind of came to grips with sorting out my own my own pathway of faith in uh, in my you know teenage years and Kind of set me on a on a on a path to somewhat emulate what my parents had taught me. Okay. For me. Okay. Great. So you know, when you went to college, I, I knew you worked as an associate pastor for a time. Uh, did you have ministry on your mind? Were you thinking? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I did. I went to a Bible college, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I always had a always had an interest in 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 business and entrepreneurial things. But kind of at that particular time, at least in the world where I functioned in, you, you were sort of just channeled into traditional definition of, of business, but I always had an, an eye and, a, and an ear to other ways uh, to kind of live out that part of what I felt my direction and calling in life was. And so it wasn't until sometime later, I found a way to, to kind of build a bridge into the entrepreneurial world to, to really solidify a platform uh, from which I could live out my, my purpose. And, uh, that's been that's been my lot now for the past 25, 30 years. Fantastic. So what prompted you? I know that you uh, became a network marketing professional, but let's step back for a moment. What prompted you to look in that direction, in the direction of network marketing? Yeah. You know, my my the very first job or task that I can remember earning money for was selling boiled crab from door to door in a fishing village. My dad, my dad caught them. Mom would boil them. 
And I would go knock on doors and sell crabs for 25 cents or the big ones for 35 cents. Uh, and if the people that lived in the town there, for example, elderly folks, if they had garbage that needed to be taken out, I, I would do that. And I, I, I knew I learned that I got compensated in exchange for for what I did. I sold newspapers on the street corner of Juneau, Alaska, when I was you know eight and nine years old, and um, sold greeting cards from you know back of comics back then. You could sell greeting cards and earn prizes. And so I always had this concept of the harder I worked, the more I hustled. Uh, the, the more I could earn. And um, I'll never forget walking into the garage of some of my parents' friends, family friends of theirs. And uh, I looked around the garage walls and there were products, just different kinds of household products and kitchen kind of products. And I, I remember asking this gentleman who I knew was a real estate guy and a handyman. And I said, what is, what is all this? Well, he said, these are products. And I said, well, you sell these? He goes, yeah. He says, and um, if we recruit other people to sell these, then we get a commission from what they sell. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me. There is a concept that exists. I mean, I've just lived in South America for five years. And I, wow. I had no idea that a concept like that existed. Wow. And of course, later was introduced to what we now know today as network marketing. Back before the days, it was even legally defined by the government. And so I've always been, I guess, be I've never... I've never wanted somebody to define what I was worth financially. Right. And I always wanted to find a way where the more I hustled, the more I worked, the harder I worked, the more I could produce. And uh, I don't know of any forum that's ever afforded that like, like what I'm in today. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to return to network marketing in a moment and try to get clear on a definition of it. But we're really talking about how a company, any company, gets products from the manufacturing plant to <clears throat> the end user. Is that about right? You know, so, um, so, so let's think about some ways that manufacturers get products to customers now. What are some other ways that they do that? Well, I, I, you know, I'm no, I'm no expert on the way all industry is done, but I know that's a choice that every company, every developer of a product has to figure out. Yeah. And if you ever watch Shark Tank, uh, I love that show. That's just people who have ideas and they've got to try to figure out how, how to get their idea known so it can create demand so that people will want to buy the product or, or, or the service. So every innovator, every developer, every inventor has to figure that out. Every manufacturer has to have, they're just a piece of the pipeline. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, conventionally, companies will hire a sales force. And those sales, that sales force will somehow be divvied up into the areas of responsibility, geographic and all that. And, and then they'll spend a ton of money uh, to uh, buy advertising, newspaper, radio, television, internet ads, billboards, you name it, direct mail. And they've got to, they've got to figure out a way to make their product or their service known. And hopefully we'll, you know, create some sort of a demand enough so that people will will part with money to get the product because there's a perceived value. Every company has to figure out how to do that. Right. And, and, and the network marketing model is just another way to do that. Uh -huh. Yeah, you know, that reminds me, when I was a boy growing up, I remember distinctly someone selling insurance, knocked on my parents' door, and they had a conversation about buying either life insurance or death insurance. I don't recall which one. But that was a, a way of getting product yeah. 
to the to the end user. So let me yeah. ask you this, Ed. Um, so let's take this. We're just talking. Let's take Microsoft. The Microsoft. Well, not that Microsoft. Let's take Apple, for example. And let's say that Steve Jobs and others back in the 1970s, as they thought about manufacturing a, a product in the end user, what are some different ways? I know that they put it in stores, but how else could they sure. have done that? How else could they have done that? Well, yeah. I mean, of course, they spend a lot in, in a lot of money in marketing, but I tell you what, it doesn't matter really how much a company spends on advertising. The real driving force in today's world. Now, listen, we, we live in a in a more connected uh, world than we've ever known. People have more information access to information today than we, we ever had. So I don't care if it's an Apple iPhone, uh, computer, or whatever it is, kitchen gadget. If you've got people who are using your product and, and deriving value from it, and they're satisfied, and they tell that story, yeah. that, that bears more weight today than it's always been. It's that conventional advertising. I read a book about the history of the chocolate industry. It's an amazing history story. But conventional advertising, the way most of us think of advertising, really wasn't even a thing until the 1800s. Prior to that, I don't care if you were a farmer, if you were a craftsman, if you whatever, you had your wares at a, at a marketplace. Word of mouth is what is what drove your business. Yeah. And word of mouth has always been the most effective, the most productive, the most rewarding method of advertising. It's just that most businesses don't have it in their financial structure to compensate you for word of mouth. Yeah. You know, we have a restaurant that we love to go to just, you know, down the street from where we live. We eat there a lot. We have them cater, but they, if I bring them, you know, a bunch of customers, they might say, thank you, but they don't have it within their, within their structure, given their obligations, their margins. They don't have it. They don't have it built in to pay me, to reward me for their advertising network marketing companies. That's just simply, that's just simply um, what they do. That's, that's, that's how they thrive. You know, today I say reviews rule the marketplace today. If you're going to book a cruise or, Go out to eat someplace, watch a movie, buy a book, go to a hotel, book a resort. You're going to see what people are saying. And, you know, you always discount a few people who can't or they're not happy with anything. But overall, if there's a real positive feedback about something, that's a good indication. It's probably worth spending some dollars on. Yeah, that's you live and die today in the world, uh, in the marketplace by your reviews. Right. You know, something um, I had a real, have a real experience. This is an iPhone that I'm holding up. I bought it slightly over 10 years ago, maybe 12, my first iPhone, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I bought this phone was because one of my colleagues at work had one and suggested that that was the better phone for me to get. Yeah. Yeah. So and there are people, there are people who hate iPhones. Yeah, that's true. Just, it, you know, <laughs> Apple's done pretty well. They've done pretty well in a marketplace where there are people who don't like their product. But overall, you and I agree, it brings you great value and great satisfaction, yeah. great utility. Yeah you know, utility value. So that's why we have them. Indeed. So Ed, let's, let's talk about network marketing more deeply. So what is it? Uh, explain to us what is network marketing? Well, it's gone through, I think, different evolutions terminology-wise over the, over the years. And uh, it's really interesting when you go back and, and you read a little bit about, you learn a little bit about the, the history of, of any new idea. 
And there's no question that the concept that we now know today as network marketing was at one point a fairly you know, new idea, just like franchising. You know, at some point in time, somebody had an idea that, you know, I've had a successful business here, a successful restaurant. And if I package this, I can sell this concept to somebody that will spend some money and they're going to have to do the product. They're going to do exactly what I say. They're going to market the way that I say to market. This is the rules they're going to follow. And um, they got to put up a bunch of money because they got to buy a building and I got to prove that. And then they're going to send me a percentage of every bit of every dollar that they, that they, that they make. I get a, a royalty, a percentage. Okay, that was, that was a day where that was a new idea. And of course, it was, it was innovative. It was, it was criticized. Congress got involved, came within 11 votes of outlawing franchising because it was perceived as a ripoff to the American consumer. Uh-huh. Well, obviously, today, franchising is alive and well all over the world. You know, I kind of jokingly say I've eaten at McDonald's in probably 20 different countries. Mm. The joke part of that is I say I got to learn how to pray the McDonald's prayer in different yeah. languages, which is, Lord, please turn this into food. <laughs> just a joke. Okay? Not, yeah. not just a joke. So franchising, obviously, is a, an accepted way to do business. It's, it's developed. It's matured. There have been rules that have been established, laws passed. There are governing agencies. The same is true for network marketing. And I was introduced to it prior to to the time where laws were passed and structure was established. And there are people today who who perhaps had a run-in like I did back when it was kind of the Wild West. And you could spend a lot of money to buy a lot of you know, blue sky and, you know, pitchmen blowing smoke. Um, and so there were a lot of ripoffs and there were a lot of abuses, and a lot of fraudulent things. Well, laws have been passed. Rules have been established. You got to play by the rules. And so today, network marketing is thriving around the world. There are thousands of companies that market this way. Unfortunately, some will have a memory of some ambitious, perhaps even obnoxious entrepreneurial evangelist who kind of hit them over the head or snuck in a presentation at some point, and they perceive that as what the industry is today. And it's not what it is today. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why some of the smartest business people in the world, I mean, I, you know, Donald Trump's a good businessman. Um, who's, who's the businessman out of Omaha? Warren Buffett, uh, Kiyosaki, all, uh, um Peter Branson, I mean, all of them espouse network marketing today as a tremendous business model. Mm -hmm. So if you've had a negative perception, I just say, you know what, Um, make sure your information is accurate. Make sure it's up to date because you can't make good business decisions on information that's not accurate or not up to date. And uh, uh oh, somebody's trying to interrupt me. Let me stop that. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry about that. A network marketer calling me. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, okay, here's a real life scenario. And many people are probably faced with this. I, I retired from, uh, from working about four, over, slightly over four years ago. Yeah. And I wanted to do something else. I wanted to, I wasn't averse to network marketing. I didn't know anything about it. But I knew, Ed, that I didn't want to share a product that didn't work. Yeah. You know, I felt that I wouldn't want my life to be like that. And secondly, I wanted something that would be of value that I could, you know, benefit from financially. 
My first effort in this, I lost over slightly over five, five grand because I picked the wrong company. So here's my question to you, because I know people are faced with this. That is, they ask themselves, okay, I'm open to looking at a network marketing company, but how do I evaluate a network marketing company? Can you help yeah. us in this area? Well, yeah, I mean, because I've had to, I've had to do that. I mean, you know, and I, I've been around the industry long enough now, Stephen, to have seen the good, bad, and the ugly, and the real ugly of network marketing. And it, truthfully, all of the above exists. But I don't know of any industry where it doesn't exist. I mean, I spent twenty years in full time ministry. Let me tell you, there's good, bad, and the ugly, and the real <laughs> ugly in that world. Uh, same is true of politics. Same is true of you know about any profession you can you can look at. So. Just to throw out the whole industry, because there's been some bad experiences or bad examples. I mean, you can go out to a restaurant and get food poisoning. That means you don't, that doesn't mean you don't go out to eat ever again. It just means that, you know, you might need, you know, better, you might not go to that same place, but you need just better, better decision-making. Um, so network marketing, you know, at its core is just, uh, again, it's a method of distribution. Here's what I look for. In fact, I did an interview about a year and a half or so ago with about nine of us. Um, that had been around the industry a long time. I think collectively, we probably had 300 years experience in the industry um, and, you know, served thousands of people and, and, and earned a lot. And um, so uh, to me, there's, there's several things. First of all, you have, a, you have to have a product or a service that legitimately gives value to people. I mean, legitimate value. And, and that's why the, the testimonial word of mouth uh, aspect of, of network marketing is, is so valuable. You know, if our product, um, didn't add value to people's lives, we, we, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Network marketing companies take a big risk. When they, when they entrust their, their, their investment, they entrust the product that they've developed to a word-of-mouth world, they better have confidence in it because word-of-mouth will work for or against you. Um, to me, it was important to look at the, uh, the, 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 the people that run the company uh, I know what it's like to have people run a company who have questionable ethics. No, I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, they need to be competent. They need to know how to run a business. They need to know how to hire good people who can who can run what you have to be able to run in a business like today. I just know recently our, our company deals with thousands of of um, fraudulent attacks. You know, IT attacks. Uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. They got to learn how to deal with that. They can learn how to deal with different companies, they know, uh, countries. They have to learn how to uh, set up business for distribution in marketplaces around the world, including all the banking, the product distribution. They got to learn how to get product in the manufacturing plant. I mean, they, that's, there's a lot on the company side that has to be right. Uh, field leadership, people who are experienced in the field, who know how to how to you know help grow an organization? They need to have a good compensation plan so that you legitimately can get compensated for what you do. And network marketing, you know, I, I think we sometimes um, when enthusiasm and zeal kicks in, um, there are rules that we have to play by in terms of what we can say about what our product does, and uh, and that's fine. We we have to we can't make we can't make crazy claims about. Uh, about the unrealistic expectations we allow people to develop based on what our, our product might be able to do. Um, we have to be responsible when we talk about the earning side of this. And uh, although the earning side is, is extremely, uh, can be very, very, very open-ended at the upper levels, um, it's a great opportunity for entrepreneurs. But again, we have to be responsible. I like to see a company that's not just full of glitz and glamour. But that's uh, but does things first class, does things that, that um, you know, without any compromise to quality or excellence, but yet not over the top 
uh, in terms of just uh, opulence, which appears to just sometimes be corporate waste, mm-hmm. or um, even people in the field flaunting uh, what they've been able to accomplish financially. Uh, the stories are spectacular uh, on their own merit without having to, you know, to, to puff them. Um, I think you need to look for a company that's got some, some stability, some track record. They're not brand new. They're not in the launch mode. Uh, probably a company that's already withstood some challenges, perhaps even legally. A company that's um, already expanded internationally because sometimes international expansion can bring all kinds of challenges that, that uh, a company needs to know how to weather. And I've seen that, especially especially if you've expanded into Asia. Asia is Asia. The Asian population overall is generalization. They're very entrepreneurial and very ambitious. And um, so you've got to be able to, you know, harness that at the same time. Say, you know, get up. Um, so you just need a company that um, that's been around, that uh, has good smart management, a product that if you can find a, a company that has a product that nobody else has, that has great validation, great independent validation, uh, and the people who are using it uh, are having great benefit, which really fuels the word of mouth machine. Now, those are all things that you would look for in a network marketing company today. Okay. Okay. So the, the next question that some people, you know, who are, you know, watching or listening to this uh, podcast would want to know, okay, so I've made the decision I would like to give network marketing a try. But I know nothing about the industry. How do they learn to become a network marketing professional? Well, there, there are resources today that are just generic, that are not specific to any one company, um, that are just general, general information out there. But let me tell you that one of the biggest, one of the biggest things you'll, fa- you'll face uh, in a network marketing world is that you become your own boss. You don't have a boss. Nobody's going to be telling you when to wake up in the morning, where to be at a certain time, when you take a break, when you get your vacation. And so if you're the kind of person who needs that structure and who wants somebody telling you what to do all the time and you're not really self-motivated, this probably isn't the arena for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a person who has dreams and has ambitions and you're willing to learn and you're willing to work on you, not just learn more about a product or a technology and all that, but you're willing to work on the person who you are. Uh, then you'll find this to be the most rewarding and the most fulfilling uh, venture of your life, especially if you can team up with some people who've already out in front of you and they've accomplished some things and they're willing to train because they only, they only earn to the extent that they train you and help you earn. I love what Zig Ziglar said. He was one of my personal mentors. And he said a very famous quote. In fact, if if I had his son on this podcast today, you would see this quote in big letters behind the son as he's sitting at his desk. And it simply is this, if you help enough people in this life get what they want, you can have anything that you want. Mm. And I love that because to me, it kind of it, it kind of goes back to the principle of servant leadership that I had modeled from my, from my youth mm. and my parents were just servants, servants of other people. And if you will legitimately adopt that, um, and help other people do well. You, you'll do well um, in this profession. But your biggest challenge is going to be the person looking back at you at the mirror. Mm-hmm. Personal development, personal growth, they are a big part of what makes it successful uh, in, uh, in this business. And, and that's, you know, thankfully today, there's so much information along those lines that's out there and available, where 30, 40 years ago, if you got started in this in this profession, that kind of stuff didn't exist. There was no way to go get a podcast or download an audible book. I mean, even finding books along those themes were kind of, kind of, kind of rare. So just know this, uh, not everybody that gets into network marketing is going to 
earn a huge amount of money, especially in their first venture. It's, it's a learning curve, but you know, when you start out to become as educated as you are, Stephen, um, after two years of pursuing education like that, you're, you're not earning what you're ultimately going to be able to earn. There's the, and not everybody who starts down that venture, I don't care if it's to become a, a teacher, if it's to become a lawyer, if it's to become a doctor, not everybody who starts down that pathway makes it. That's just, that's just, that's just true. Not every week, we've got a minor league baseball team right across the street, plays across the street from where I live here uh, in across from our condo. Not everybody who plays baseball in high school or little league that has aspirations to play at the entry level of the major leagues makes it. Not everybody that makes it here makes it to the big leagues. That's just the nature of life. So for people to say, yeah, I tried it one time and I didn't succeed. Well, you know what? Somebody else had the same comp plan, the same product, the same company, the same everything, and they made it. So what was the difference? Wasn't the company, wasn't the industry, wasn't the product, wasn't the comp plan. It was the person. And maybe they brought a little bit more effort to the table. Maybe they had a little bit more people skills. Maybe they worked on themselves harder. But that was the difference. It wasn't the industry. It wasn't the company. Now, I've had companies that that um, I've done well with that, that didn't make it. Company change. Well, that happens in any profession. So don't blame network marketing if a company you're with doesn't make it. That's just, that happens. Um, but just work, on, work the most you can on the person looking back at you at the mirror. Get with a good company. Get with a good team of people. And uh, you become part of that team effort, you'll go a lot further than you will just trying to, you know, do it, do it all on your own. Okay. Perhaps you've already answered the question that was next to my mind, but I want to ask it again. Um, and, and that is, what types of skills, what types of competencies does a person need in order, you know, to uh, not only do well in it, but to, you know, that increases their chances of success in, in network marketing? Yeah, well, you know, it's a people business. Yeah. And, um, if you can't stand people, <laughs> that would be maybe a, a you know a, a, a negative in the asset column. Um, if you're a communicator, uh, certainly helps. But you know what? There's so many tools available today, Stephen. Mm-hmm. That I say it doesn't matter what your what you perceive to be your limitation. There are tools that you can leverage today to overcome uh, your your limitation, whether it's real or perceived. I don't communication tools. I mean, we've got folks on our team that are blind. We have folks that are have physical challenges. You can speak to that. Uh, we have folks of all different age groups. We have folks different educational backgrounds. People that are uh, very religious. Some are very not religious. Uh, we have we have couples working together. We have people working singularly. We have people with other jobs. We, I mean, you, you, it's a, it's a tapestry of just who makes up, who makes up the world. Um, so, you know, the, the tendency is if you get involved in, in a company and you don't make it to the top, you tend to want to blame the company or blame the industry. And, and, uh, and there may be some issues with whatever company you've been associated with. I certainly know what that's like, but ultimately it's, Again, the playing field is the same for everybody. And so just uh, I I know people who had very, very limited social circle, very limited realm of influence. So they knew that they needed to go find some people who had the influence that they didn't have and not try to articulate sales to them or convince them, but just use a tool. We have great tools. 
we have a podcast like this. We have we have books, we have recorded calls, we have live webinars, we have all kinds of tools today to lend credibility to whatever you think your weakness is. So I say it this way, in our, to use our vernacular, you can sponsor your way out of your problem. You can sponsor your way over the obstacle, you know, through the mountain. Uh, you know, the, the collection of people who've kind of made it to the top in this particular or any company, uh, if you heard their stories, if you heard the, the story behind the glory, you would know that many of them came from severe, severe um, disadvantages, physically, financially, health-wise, and all of that, and they just fought through those. So again, this is, I don't know of any industry that affords people the chance to rise above all of that, like this industry does. So um, just latch a hold of it. Yeah. Well, you've risen pretty high in your company, Ed. So what's working for you? What's working in your world? Well, you know, um, when you have a product that does what our product does, um, it's everybody we run across is a potential benefactor of at least the product from a healthy standpoint mm -hmm. and some from a real dramatic need for better health standpoint. Um, I don't care if they're world-class athletes or if there are people who are really struggling financially or physically. Um, so we just maintain a real openness um, to the people that we don't try to be obnoxious. Every time we meet somebody, we don't beat them over the head with what we have, but we look for opportunity. And, and quite honestly, Stephen, we we pray and we just say, God, bring across our path people who need to know we've been blessed to learn. And we we look for that. When it happens, we we're not surprised, and we are responsible enough to try to to try to um, you know share what we what we have. Um, you know, again, I brought some experience to the table here because I've been in the industry before. I've always been in front of people. Um, you know, I can remember being in front of people when I was in Sunday school. My mom would have me teach in Sunday school when I was just a you know, a, real, a real youngster. Um, so I think, and Rebecca's a nurse, so she has a real compassion, a real empathy for, for people. I think those skills play well. Um, and, and uh, you know, I just have big ambitions. I have ambitions. I want to, I want to do things. That's, that's why I transitioned from, from ministry into business 25 plus years ago. You know, I remember people asking me, why would you leave ministry to get in business? And I just kept saying, I didn't leave it. I just changed the way I get paid to do it. And so now I can I can serve missions. I can I can go and do places. I don't have to worry about attending a staff meeting. And I don't have to worry about whether or not the church board or the missions board approves a project. If I want to do the project, we'll do the project, and uh, we can go and do and and uh, and fund things on, on our own. And so that's so I, I just to me it's expanded what I really wanted to do with my life. It's not in any way uh, created limitations. It's just given me a bigger platform to live out my purpose. And uh, if you've got a big enough purpose. If you have a big enough, we talk about why. I got Simon Sinek's book on my library over there. It says, start with why. If you don't know why you're doing this, you won't, there's no reason to do the work. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's pursuing athletics. If you don't have a why in your mind, you'll never, you'll never keep going to practice. Right. You don't have a why that's driving you, you'll never pay the price. And so it really comes back to why do you want to do this? And if you understand the possibilities and if you understand what can be accomplished and if you're successful financially, what that can fund for you, it might be different. You'll spend your resources on different things that I will. But what is it that would, what is it that you wish you could write a check for $10,000 to? Mm -hmm. What project would you like to do if you didn't have to make decisions based on time availability or money limitation? What would you do? 
How would you live your life? And if your why is big enough, then you'll learn what it is to learn and you'll pay the price. You'll do the work. And um, when you celebrate, I'll, I'll just tell you what will happen, Steve. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to be in about two weeks. I'm going to be in Cancun at a beautiful resort with some other folks that have, have done well. And we're going to sit around and um, look at that beautiful scenery. And you know what we're going to say? I wonder what everybody who said no is doing right now. <laughs> Sorry, but that just happens from time to time. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I get the impression, and, and, and people who watch this podcast and listen to it on various platforms probably got this impression as well. And it is that I get this sense that you like the company that you're with. Uh, you know, why can you share with me why is it that you are positive you're so high and i get the feeling that it's, it's more than just money why are you high on this company yeah um you know we talk in 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 human terms about the people that we love and probably somebody will stand out as being your soulmate mm. you know, your soulmate because it's not just about who they are physically, because we're all going to get old and wrinkled someday. Yeah. It's not just about maybe their personality traits. It's, it's the soul, mm -hmm. the soul corporations. And uh, you've been around, you've heard some of this talked about the word corporate comes from the word body corpus. It's, you know, in, in Spanish, the word for body is cuerpo. And so if a, if a company, if a corporate entity, a company can have structure in the people, can it also have a soul? Yes, it can. It can have a soul. And that kind of defines the values, the ethics, the heartbeat of the company. And I've been around this company long enough to know that beyond just the technical expertise and the fantastic product and the world-class manufacturing facility and, and all of that goes into making the company, the brand new world headquarters and, and all of that, I've got to know the company's soul. Mm. I've spent time with our executives on humanitarian projects, building chicken coops in little poor villages in Mexico. I've been there when we've been shoveling concrete and picking rocks out of the ground to build a vocational school in Ecuador. I've been other places in the world where I've, I've just worked alongside with the, and I've, I've spent time with them traveling in different parts of the world. I've got to know the soul of this company, not just the corporate body. And this company is a soulmate. And it's allowed me to be able to kind of hitch my, my life to what they're all about. And, and uh, it's provided great opportunity for us to see fantastic things with the products. It's helped my save my wife's life, literally. You know that story. Um, it's given us resources that have uh, empowered us to be able to do things with our time and our attention in life. But I love the soul of this company. And I think that's what's that's why, you know, at my age, I don't want to do it again. I don't want to build again. I don't think I have to because our, our company executives come from companies that are old, established companies. And this is, this is legacy kind of stuff. I'm, I'm all about legacy. Our company was founded by a gentleman who was 69 years old. And even though he had a fantastically stellar career as a corporate executive on a global scale, the crowning work of his life will not be that distinguished corporate career. It'll be this company that he started as a network marketing company at age 69. Well, I just passed 69 last birthday. Uh, so I identify with that. At this stage of life, you start thinking about not just earning more, but making more of a difference. Yeah. And I feel like this is a company that's going to allow me to 
uh, maybe put some polish on my own legacy and and um, do some things that are going to be perpetually beneficial to mankind. So I love the soul of the company. I found my soulmate, and that's that's, that's why great. I love it. That's great. And I've heard, um, in fact, the the, the founder, one of the founders in, in, of your company and chairman of the board, talk about next level marketing. Yeah. Um, so be with, be with us for a little bit. What what is that from your understanding of it? How does it relate to network marketing? And does it also speak to the soul of the company that we belong that we belong to? Yeah. I wish I had his slide here to, to show you the, the difference in terminology, because I, I think that we have a chance to raise the bar uh, on what the perception of network marketing is in the world, which, you know, we're always continuing to try to educate people and, imp and improve the, the perception of it. Because a lot of folks who just, and we can't fault anybody but the industry, a lot of folks don't have an accurate current perspective of of what this industry is. So I think our, our goal as a company is to, is to raise the bar on that and, and take this from being just a transactional business to a transformational kind of a business where we're not just, we're not just about moving product, but we're about enhancing lives of people. I mean, our company's motto, their goal is to be a force for good in the world, to affect, to improve people's lives and be a force for good in the world. And that's beyond just, that's beyond just, um, providing a product or that is a role that's that's digging that clean well for in Cambodia that's building that vocational center in Ecuador that's that's giving people in Mexico a way to retain water so they can water their it's, it's all those kind of things it's it's helping rescue uh, you know people who are being trafficked and we're involved with that it's 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 um, it's making a difference um, in, in the world and uh, I, I think that's that's a big part of that's a big part of what makes us it's a heartbeat. That's that's our that's our heartbeat, and I think people are attracted to that. And um, yeah, we have a great product. That's that's how the business functions, and wow. and and that's but that's that's a part of what we are, part of what we do. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, so I have one more. Well, I have two more questions. So let me ask you this. Um, so can you think of? And I want you to take your time with this. Um, can you think of any one, just one, success story uh, that involves your company? Um, another person, the product, one success story that you can, can share with us. Mm. Wow. So many come racing to mind. Um, I'll just tell you, there's a way you can find out if you want to respond to Stephen, he can give you a link to my wife's story, which is one of the great product stories. But <clears throat> I, I love the story of a lady named Paula. Um, mm. And you know, you've met Paula. Paula lives in a little town about an hour and a half from me, less than 300 people. Paula was, um, uh, in her seventies, had a health, real health setback. Um, she had to retire from teaching school at a little private Christian school because of her health challenges. And, uh, when I knew about this product, I reached out to her and I got to tell you, she wasn't enthusiastic at the outset, but I knew she needed this product and I persisted. And the product was dramatically beneficial for her to the point where she began to share this just because, you know, she's got a heart and, you know, she, She's not, you wouldn't, her definition of her career would have never included entrepreneur or salesperson. It was a teacher and uh, she loved to do quilting. So she just began to share this, this product story with people. And uh, as a result of that, because of the way the business model works, people get, people begin to get the product. They begin to have life-changing benefit and an income stream begin to trickle into Paula and Fred's life. And it grew to more than just a trickle to the point where, 
I remember she said that when she had to quit teaching in her 70s uh, because of health challenges, she was concerned about how they would make up the $1,000 a month that she was going to then lose. Well, because of the way this business model works and because of communication technology, living in a small town, she has business today that spans the globe. She doesn't have to worry about that financial lack anymore because she earns more than that every week. And uh, the product has enhanced her health. She's had some recent health setbacks. And all the time this last year, uh, the last 12 months or so of her life where she's had some real health challenges, been hospitalized, their income has continued. It's just continued. So, you know, yeah, there we've got we've got people who um, who are obviously doing a whole lot better than out on the business side. We have people who are in a position to buy a 500 year old uh, farm in France and renovate the house. I mean, we've got people at, at all levels, but I love the Paula story because it's it's real. I know her. Um, it's reachable. It's re, it's relatable to I think the average the average person. So, I mean, that's just one, Stephen. You get me going, I can tell you stories. We can stay here and make this a much longer podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing it, Ed. So my last question is, this is for you. Um, is there anything else that we haven't touched upon that you want to leave us with today? Well, you know, I would just say this. Um, we're on a mission. We're on a mission. This, this company, when our founders turned down a big amount of money from a pharmaceutical company to buy this technology mm-hmm. because the strings attached to it were shutting it down. Uh, when they turned that down, it was because they had a mission and they felt an obligation that humanity needed to know. And I'll tell you, there's a reason why people sometimes will ask me a little bit about this. And I just say, let me just quote the smart people. I'm not one of them, but I'm going to quote some of the PhDs and the scientists and the medical doctors that are embracing this. They are the ones that are saying this is the greatest health science breakthrough of our lifetime. Mm. That's a big statement. It's, um, excuse me, it's kind of an over the, I'm not, I'm not emotional. I'm sneezing. (laughs) So, Um, it's kind of an over-the-top statement, kind of a cringeworthy statement, to be honest with you. Greatest health science discovery of our lifetime? I mean, they know full well the importance of the salt vaccine, the discovery of DNA, but they're, they're posturing this right up there. So our founders realized that, and they felt that humanity needed this product. And they strategically made a decision that the best way for humanity to learn about this product was to entrust it to people who are using it, who will share it. Now you got to have trust in your product to do that. So I just say it this way. I'm a missionary's kid. I live by a sense of mission. Admit the word mission has been a part of my, my life. We're on a mission and we need you. We need you. Whoever you are watching this, you know, people that we don't know. You can reach people that we can't reach. There are people In fact, I say it this way, that whether you choose to engage with us or not, that decision will affect a lot of people. Um, If you're not in the loop somehow, if you've learned about this and you're not in the loop of sharing it, there are people who needed to know about this who may never know about it because you weren't sharing it. Now, that's negative. That's heavy. Let me say it this way. If you are in the loop, you will have the pleasure of someday getting an email like I've got or a text message or a phone call and letting you know about a little seven-year-old boy and 12 time zones away from me 
who, because I told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who shared it with this boy's parents over the fence because they heard about the neighbor boy's terrible diagnosis, who was probably not going to have his eighth birthday. And that boy's had his eighth birthday and his ninth. And those kinds of stories get replicated. And I, I remember getting that. I'm thinking, what if I hadn't shared this? What if I hadn't told the person who told the person who told the person who told the person who told the, who told the dad? And that same thing is could be true for you. You might get that sort of a ripple effect, that echo of feedback into your life someday. And you're going to think, wow, that, I made a difference. I impacted that person's life. To get paid to do that, Rebecca and I would do that for nothing. Wow. We just would. But to get compensated for something like that, that's just, that's just a bonus. So just quite honestly, if you're watching this today, just know this. We need you. We need more missionaries. And there's a spot for you. If you think of it in terms of athletics, there's a spot on the team for you and all the coaching that you'll take. And um, with that, I would just say, Stephen, thank you for being a part of this. I wouldn't have ever crossed paths with you if I hadn't told somebody who told somebody who told you. Yeah. And uh, thank you for this opportunity to share this today. And I just, I hope this is an invitation that you feel, uh, which is allowing you to kind of come and be a part of this great mission with us. Oh, Ed, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. If I, if you and I were not business associates, I would surely become one today, that's for sure. So, okay. So you've been listening to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, AKA Possibility Man. Today, our guest has been Ed Weens, a network marketing professional and business leader. Ed, once again, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure, Stephen, thank you.